introduce to you Tony Pizarro, who is our preacher this morning. Tony works at North Park University as assistant director of the Writing Center and lecturer. He also serves as a steering committee member for the Illinois Coalition for Higher Education in Prison. Tony is a person of great humility with a servant's heart. I first met Tony, uh, I think, in the context of serving at Breakthrough Urban Ministries. Uh, he is a fellow student and friend of Lee Pileman and through Lee, her whole family, and, and through the Pileman family, has become a friend of Grace Chicago Church. I've gotten the opportunity to get to know Tony uh, a little bit better in the context of this uh, sermon, which is part of his uh, fulfillment of his Doctor of Ministry program at North Park. Uh, Tony, you're a gentle and uh, very kind man, and we appreciate uh, the care that you've taken in preparing to preach to us this morning. It's uh, a humbling experience for me as a pastor to have worked with you in that preparation. So come on up and bring us the gospel. So, first and foremost, I'd like to thank Pastor Bob for his kind words, and I would also like to thank you all for allowing me to come to your church today, to be present, to allow me to preach and bring the good news. But I would also just like to thank you all for allowing me to participate and volunteer with some of the ministry outreach efforts that you all do. The title of the sermon this morning is called The Road Less Traveled. I'm quite sure a lot of us know what that looks like as we heard Harley speak this morning. So, as you know, the gospel was written at a particular time within a particular context. So I would like to begin with giving you my incarnational translation. Without explanation, I was sent in one direction and vehicles in another. This was an early morning in mid-July. The sun was brightly shining without a cloud in sight. My destination was the Department of Motor Vehicles on Elston Avenue. As I paddled, the sun seemed to grow hotter. I was sweating. My legs were getting tired. And it seemed as if I was lost. I can't count how many times I stopped and re-entered the directions. Have you ever entered your destination into the GPS and questioned, why am I being rerouted? What you thought should have been a straight route from A to B turned into rerouting and detouring. I wanted to turn around so many times, but I was already committed. Fast forward five to six hours, there I stood at the window, and I was told, you need a car and insurance to take the driver test. I could not switch my license over from Baltimore to Chicago. So I called a friend. I said, I need your car and your insurance. <laughs> Without question, she agreed to come. It wasn't until later that I found out that she was afraid that I would not pass the driver test because it had been over 10 years since I had last driven. She wanted to come and get me, take me home to practice with the expectation I would come another day. She went to her husband with all her fears, anxiety, and doubts. 
He said, what's the worst that could happen? An accident? We got insurance. As a matter of fact, take my car. Despite her fears, she faithfully followed the instructions of her husband. When she arrived, it was no longer sunny. It was raining. Her fears were amplified as the driving instructor asked her to exit the car. With trepidation, she exited the car and gave me the keys. Just like Grace Chicago, it takes courage to travel an unknown route for the first time. Those of you who are original members of Grace Chicago understand because you have been rerouting and detouring for 20 years. What should have been a straight path of actively seeking the good of individuals and the welfare of the city ended up being a path of twists and turns. I have been periodically coming to Grace for the past year. I am privileged to see Grace arrive at their new location as my friend was privileged to see me receive my driver's license. Friends, today we will be focusing on Matthew 14, 22 through 33. It shows how we were wonderfully created with a navigational system called spirit that is connected to Jesus. As with any system, human management can override the programming. Have you checked your settings or permissions lately? What are you programming your navigational system to avoid? Is it the homeless? Is it the poor? Is it the vulnerable? Or is it the other? Are you going to the settings menu and selecting avoid the captives, the blind, the oppressed, or the meek? Avoidance is never a mistake. Pastor Bob preached last week about how the disciples were trying to avoid feeding the crowd. They had a deficit setting. Jesus told the disciples that the people did not need to leave. Jesus definitively instructed them to feed the people. The disciples minimized the five loaves and two fish. The bread of life took the five loaves, two fish, and blessed them. He returned them to the disciples with the same instructions. Do you notice or remember who fed the people? Did you notice that Jesus did not add anything to the basket? I have experienced the love, prayer, and service exhibited through some of the families of Great Chicago and Breakthrough Ministries. I ask you today, have you ever been hungry, homeless, lonely, or in some cases, lost? The women at the homeless shelter would say, yes, yes, and yes. But as always, there's always a but with Jesus. There came a day when the Lord reached down from on high and took hold of them. He drew them out of the deep waters with a nourishing meal, a friendly smile, an invitation, and a seat at the table. The table was always open. The table is always open. The invitation is there. 
Will you accept the invitation to reroute to the table of fellowship? We don't always know in the moment why we are being rerouted. Sometimes you have to have faith. Through having faith, we learn humility and gain courage as Jesus reroutes us in order to save us. Sometimes Jesus will reroute you to bless you. Sometimes Jesus will reroute you to bring you closer to him. When was the last time you were rerouted? When was the last time you were grateful for the detour? When was the last time you thanked God for covering you? Jesus will not abandon you when he reroutes you. Jesus is in the turn. Jesus is in the eye of the storm. When you follow Jesus, you must have courage. You must be obedient. You must do something for the first time. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Whenever you face your fears, something impactful happens, as seen in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is writing to a minority Jewish Christian community who has been ostracized for admitting Gentiles, professing Jesus as the Messiah, an authoritative teacher of the law, and teaching that the promise of God is extended to the Gentiles. Matthew has a unique perspective being a former tax collector, Jewish, and a follower of Jesus. It is, it is an internal conflict between the Jewish community, unlike what we have heard that it was Jews versus Christians or Jews versus Gentiles. Jewish Christians are suffering persecution and excommunication from the synagogue because the Pharisees were actively seeking to renew Jewish piety through cultic purity, tithing, and Sabbath observances. Some leaders were seeking to preserve their faith and traditions after the destruction of the temple. The primary adversaries of Matthew's community were the Pharisees. Their leaders consisted of scribes. Matthew's community lacked power, which is why he has written his gospel, focusing on some of the conflicts that are theological, political, and social, the same climate that we live in today. Matthew is the only gospel to use the term ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church. Matthew is also the only gospel to introduce that Peter walked on water. Our passage opens up today with the word immediately. There is no transition or explanation why the sense of urgency. Everyone has just eaten their fill. I envision various conversations of awe, satisfaction, and what's next. I'm quite sure some of you can relate to this because last Friday you were camping and it was a sunny day. No one expected it to rain on Saturday. So as they are sitting there, there may be a group on the grass plotting how to ask for some leftovers. You know, no one wants to seem greedy, but they are hungry. Matthew is silent as to all of these issues. It is through the Gospel of John 
that we receive the details. According to John, Jesus had to force the disciples to leave and get in the boat. The issue was that Jesus perceived the intent of the crowd. He knew that they were going to try to forcefully take him and make him king. Jesus knew that the disciples would have joined the crowd. Therefore, he rerouted them to avoid a potentially violent situation that would have disrupted his mission. After being sent away, the disciples found themselves in the middle of a storm. Sounds just like life, huh? Before you get past this thing, here comes another. Jesus knew that they would be caught in the storm. Sometimes Jesus sends you into a storm in order to bring you closer to him. The disciples had been rowing all night and all evening. And this was without making any significant progress. They are battling with the winds on one end and the waves on the other. Exhausted, cold, wet, and sleepy, they continue despite the storm. It does not say whether they are afraid of the storm, the boat capsizing, or being lost. It does say that they were separated from the crowd. Matthew thought it was important to say that they were separated from the crowd. Maybe this was symbolic to his community. Being a follower of Jesus separated them from the synagogue, separated them from the mainstream society, separated them from their neighbors and their families. Everyone that comes with you may not go. You have to be okay with moving on. Some places Jesus is taking you is only meant for you. It takes courage to leave the crowd. It takes courage to unfollow. It takes courage to stand with the least of these. It takes courage to speak truth to power. We have been commanded to be strong and courageous, to not be afraid, to not be discouraged. For the Lord, our God, will be with us wherever we may go. Where's the Lord taking you? What crowds are you being separated from? What waves and winds are you battling in your life? What do you do when your fears become your reality? What are alternatives to fear? Let's take 30 seconds and give our fears to the Lord, privately or out loud. Let's name our fears, what you are afraid of, and what, are, what fears are you bringing in? So you can do this silently or privately, but let's call out our fears and get them to the Lord at this moment. As we conclude in naming our fears and our heart and our spirits and we give them to God, we ask that he take these, 
lessen us and increase himself in our lives. See, this story that I am preaching about today is a, pre- is a story that is as relevant today as it was yesterday. The disciples are afraid as they witness Jesus walking on water. There is no dispute that they know it was Jesus, yet they called out ghosts and was afraid. In the blink of an eye, they had forgotten all their past experiences with Jesus. Was it not written that the light was in the world and the world recognized it not? Commentators have stated that it was a common belief that evil spirits lived in the sea. Even though you may want to be bold, courageous, and faithful, it is human to hesitate, be afraid, or ask yourself, am I really doing this? Jesus noticed their fear. He does not chastise them. He tells them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Just like a loving parent, Jesus is reassuring. He expresses empathy, compassion, and he extends grace. Out of 12, only one spoke up. Speaking up leads to you leaving the crowd. The text does not describe Jesus' tone of voice, but as you can see, I have my own thoughts, my own vision of what this looked like. I wonder, when Jesus said come, was he frustrated, disappointed, scornful, understanding, or judgmental? For me, I think about what my friend and colleague, Melissa Pavlik, said at the dog park or the dog beach when different owners command. Some say, come. Some say, come, come. Some say, here. So I just think about that. Every master commands different. But what is your relationship to Jesus? How does Jesus command you to come? It may not sound like it sounds for your neighbor. But I will say this. It takes courage to grow, to live in community, and worship next to someone who has completely different values than you. It takes courage to stand with the refugees, the homeless, and the disenfranchised. Jesus may have rerouted you for this purpose. And Peter, we witness his humanity, frailty, and complexities. Peter has been assigned the label of lacking faith. I come this morning to resurrect Peter's reputation and character. I would say that Peter was impulsive, Peter may have been violent, even ambivalent at times, but never one who lacked faith. For our Bible scholars know, Peter left a wife because Jesus went back and healed his mother-in-law. We know that Peter left a fishing business behind. We know that Peter was the only one who stepped out when Jesus came. We know that Peter each time came when Jesus called. I call that faith. According to the commentary, Peter did not sink because he lacked faith. It was because he was afraid of the wind. Here, Peter allowed his emotion to determine his perception. It's similar to a boat. I'm quite sure we have some kayak individuals in here, some boaters. And when you think about it, your boat does not sink because you put it on the water. It's when you allow water to get into the boat that it begins to sink. And there is no difference with our fears. 
Our fears only become real when we internalize them. Doing something outside of your comfort zone is scary, especially when no one else wants to. Hope and prayer shall always be the initial response to fear. Peter cried, Lord, save me. And immediately, you heard that key word? Immediately, Jesus reached out and saved him. So I will ask you, how often are you calling to Jesus first in your times of fear? Peter faced his fear two times. The first time was stepping out of the boat. The second was his fear of the wind. Each time Peter faced his fear, something impactful happened. Peter walked on water twice, and the disciples worshipped Jesus, stating, Surely you are the Son of God. The verb translated worship literally means to prostrate oneself or kneel in a reverence, submission, or obeisance, usually before a king or image of God. They had been traveling with Jesus night and day, witnessing all the miracles and healings. It is in this moment that they finally come to understand Jesus. Life can be like a storm. On the road, you may experience accidents, delays, or flooding if you are not rerouted. There are many different types of navigational systems. Some are pride, nationalism, classism, hate, violence, fear, greed, and addiction to self-protection. You know that you are connected to Jesus as a navigational system when you love your neighbor, love mercy, do justice, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, or visit the sick. This is only possible through proximity. I come to tell you this morning as we conclude, there is no crowd that Jesus will not save you from. There is no storm that Jesus will send you in and not bring you out of. There is no mountain too high that he will not help you reach the top of. There are no fears that the Spirit will not battle for you. If God has saved Abram, Noah, Moses, the 12 spies, and Daniel, surely God will save you from the crowd. Just don't look back. For the Bible says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I thank you for this opportunity and from Jesus Christ himself, I give you peace. Amen.